Okay, welcome back to Video Game Therapy. It is me, Zen. <clears throat> I would say your host, but I'm probably not that charismatic. So today, um, I'm going to be talking about um, the class and role of healer in Final Fantasy. Uh, Final Fantasy XIV, that is. And how certain changes have made the healing classes very healthy compared to before. I will say, right off the bat, my perspective is very biased. Just throwing it out there. Um, and it's because I've been healing in this game for about 12 years. So a bit of legacy and pretty much everything on from a Realm Reborn up to current. So we, in, when it comes to understanding the healer class and dynamic and that role in Final Fantasy, we have to understand where that comes from. So when Final Fantasy XIV first launched as Legacy, there was literally only one healer class, which was um, the role, no, sorry, the class itself was Conjurer and then it became the job White Mage. So when we understand that there was literally only one healer for the first two years of the game, and then when they redid everything and then created A Realm Reborn, um, they added a second healer. But this wasn't until a bit later. So we had, um, at the time, there were still only two magic classes, which was Thaumaturge and Conjurer, which, you know, became Black Mage and White Mage, respectively. And then about partial patch later, they inc um, they included the Arcanist, which became the third magic class and the second caster, and then eventually became the second healer. So for, again, the longest time in game, White Mage was the only healer, and as a result, the, became the primary healer. So when we look at the healing dynamics of the class in-game, when it comes to healing in-game, the White Mage is designed with the idea that it is going to be the fundamental healer and the primary healer of whatever you're going into. When we have the Arcanist, which becomes the Scholar, the Scholar... That dynamic with the shields and heals is that it is preventative damage. At the time when, uh, with A Realm Reborn and up to Heaven's Ward, we had what are called um, cross skills, which were the, you know, you played certain classes and you needed those classes to upgrade to the job. So you needed, you know, uh, to have. I think it was Archer up to like 15 to move your Black Mage, uh, to, to move your Thaumaturge into a Black Mage. And then um, your secondary cross skill would have been the Arcanist, so you got certain skills like Eye for an Eye, etc. With that, um, those cross skills, certain things would make or break characters. This is why um, Paladin 
was such an underwhelming class, but why Warrior was such an overwhelming class. Because if you had all of your cross skills, by the time that you could go into a dungeon, your Warrior was outfitted with all the most amazing things that you could get, and you would not need a healer. Like, just, it'd be severely overpowered. Not to mention Paladin at the time. And this was only resolved fairly recently, um, over the lifetime of the game, which was the tank stance for Paladin <laughs> being moved from 40 to 30. And then I think now it's just like, as soon as you get the class, you get the tank stance. Um, but for the long longest time, you had uh, Sword Oath before you got Shield Oath, and you're, you could not hold threat for the life of you. Anyways, that's not what I want to talk about. Um, when it came to the healers, when it came to the White Mage and the Scholar, you had a very particular set of uh, cross skills that were very necessary. One of the biggest things that was game-changing and game-breaking when it came to, and absolutely core, when it came to raiding during this time period was a, thing, a skill called Stone Skin. Stone Skin was amazing. As a scholar, when your whole um, skill set and core set is about preventative damage and reducing damage taken, as well as um, ensuring quick response time when it comes to healing, as well as dealing a, a, a little bit more damage. Um, it was necessary. It, I mean, it, it wasn't like one of those things where it's just like, oh yeah, you got stone skin, cool. Like, you, when you would go into a raid, when you go into a dungeon, when you go into anything, really, you would cast your stone skin, which you got from a conjurer slash white mage at level 33 at the time. Uh, I think then they got stone skin 2, which was an instant cast version of it that was for the whole group, which was amazing. Loved it. But you could only use it while you're not in combat, which sucked, but was necessary. So um, with your scholar... You know, you'd take that cross skill, you would stone skin your tank, and then you would add loquium. So you have, you know, the stone skin, which is 30% of their prime, like their total, like 30% of their maximum health, plus your adloquium shield. And if it was critical, this has changed a little bit compared to now. Um, if you had your critical shield, um, your critical at the time was scaled a lot higher so your critical would be 200 percent of your base heal plus your adloquium if it got that critical would get its double galvanize which would be an additional 200 percent so your shield would end up being um like 400 percent of your base heal which was insane and this only got changed, um, I think, for the beginning of Shadowbringers. And that's because they changed a lot of the things when it came to the healing classes. Um, but going back to A Realm Reborn, th that Eloquium plus that Stone Skin, you wouldn't need to heal because so much of the tank's life would not be touched at all. And since Stone Skin was a permanent cast until it was broken, like, you could cast that on in a good mob and then put your Loquium up 
and they would survive. At the time, you had to manage your pets um, a bit more than you have to manage them now. So what you would do at this time is you would macro your physic, which is your primary heal, with the fairy's embrace. So it was casting with you. Your pets now are, I'm going to say, fundamentally on auto. So basically every time you're in combat, if there's any health that's been taken off of anybody, your fairy is constantly casting embrace. Previously, it did not work that way. You, you, you would have your four skills if your pet was on auto. It would use any of those four skills on a very fixed rotation. And you also had both your fairies, um, Celine and Aeos, provided different things during this time period. Now they're homogenized and they're the same thing. But before, you know, you would have what I would call your PvE healer. Uh, fairy, and then you'd have your PvP fairy. So, um, I always get their names confused, but Aos is the primary one, the original one, which was meant to be only healing for PvE, and then a Selene, which was the orange one, was PvP focused. Granted, it was also... She had a few skills that were really, really useful for PvE because a cross skill that you would have, which got changed to a tr uh, uh, class, uh, a role skill, which is a lot better and healthier, is um, Asuna. No, not Asuna. You had it was called Leeches at the time, which was the healer specific Asuna. You didn't get that skill until 42. So if you were in any dungeon prior to this as a scholar, you could not use Asuna, essentially. The only way you could get rid of Asuna is by having Selene... No, yeah, Selene. Having Selene uh, use her specific skill to get rid of all debuffs. And it would hit the whole party. Which was really, really, really useful, but also sucked because it had a, sec a sixty-second cooldown. So if you were got stuck in a mechanic where you had to de like Asuna constantly and you didn't have access to leeches, it was awful. But in PvP, this was super useful because there was a lot of uh, CQC and CC-based skills at the time that would wreck house. And when you would have um, Celine, she could get rid of those debuffs on the whole team and yourself and you could run. I mean, also at the time, like you could use your fairies and your summons as scapegoats. If you got stuck in a situation, you could just bring them out, force them to take all the damage while you run away and they would die. And if they didn't die, they would, you know, eventually make their way back to you with a, a lot less health. Oh, and you had to actively heal your fairies and your summons at the time, too. Um, what was that skill called? That doesn't matter. I really liked it because I, I, I just liked it because it looked cool. It was like a quick heal, but then it was like a heal over time for your pets. Now with pets and summons being um, non-targetable, it, it's not necessary. Um, 
But this is all very important as to why we have the healer dynamics that we do in-game currently. The Scholar was designed in mind that you would be actively doing combat and actively healing simultaneously. Um, and that should be as like a non-issue, like that should be the established thing. Where like if you were healing, if you were the healer, you were constantly in combat and you're constantly healing. You should never stop casting. That is how the healer is designed in Final Fantasy. Which is why we have a lot of unbalanced and unhealthy heal dynamics in game is because there is people don't play with that in mind and I'll get into that in a bit. But with your scholar at the time, up until uh, Stormblood, you would prevent as much damage as you can. Your fairy would react as necessary and you would you know, be an active DPS, but you wouldn't be dealing as much as a specialized DPS, but you would still be contributing a lot to damage. Your healer on the other, like, sorry, your white mage on the other hand wasn't meant to specifically focus so heavily on combat, but it did get a lot of combat skills. Most of them at the time were uh, dots, so damage over time skills, you, I think you would, I think up to Heaven's Ward and then before he moved into Stormblood, the, each of the, um, like both the Scholar and the White Mage had about three dots that were in constant rotation on the boss. So they, you know, were co constantly ticking away. But again, with the White Mage, the White Mage is designed with the idea that it is going to be fundamentally healing everybody as necessary. So when we come to, when it comes to these healer dynamics that have been put in place, we have to look at them in two ways. It's not just healer, or it's not just shielding and healing and then heal over time. It is, one of them is a reactive healer, which is the White Mage, and the other one is a preventative damage healer, which is the Scholar. Once we start to look at the fact that those were the roles put in place for those healers, we can understand how and why some of the potencies are so drastic. Like I said, it is reactive and preventative damage. And as a result, we can see that there is a large disparity between the the, the number potency versus the actual in-game amount of heals. So, again, with the Scholar compared to the White Mage, they scale differently with their critical hit and determination than the White Mage does. At the time, and up till Stormblood, the amount of critical was... It, the way it scaled with them is that it contributed about 25% additional critical to the Scholar. And it's because that the critical heal scaled a lot higher than the critical heal of a white mage. 
And again, it's because of the galvanizing shields and wards. Something that has changed quite a bit is your galvanizing shield, because of the criticals, it doesn't scale as high, and so we've had to adjust a lot of the potencies as well as the scaling individually because they still have their primary well not primary their secondary i guess well their highest priority secondary skills or stats i should say the other thing that's also important here in terms of understanding why it's so very important as to why we have these roles and sh changes that have been put in place, and again, I'll get to that in a little bit, is because of the fact that your secondary skills, sorry, your secondary stats scaled so much differently compared to these classes, which is why we have the dynamics that we do now. So with the fact that the white mage at the time, and fundamentally at its core is still a reactive healer, with a lot of heal over times. The white mage benefited about 25% more with spell speed than the scholar did. It, if you don't know, spell, spell speed affects the potency of your heal over time effects as well as your damage over time effects. So if you're a, a high damage, high let's just say high octane white mage, you have a good chunk of spell speed and you're going to be, you know, using your, um, your spell speed buff. What is the exact name of it? I don't know why my mind is blanking right now. Uh, presence of mind. That's what it was. You know, your presence of mind, you know, <laughs> this turns you into a cannon when it comes to DPS. Or heals or anything. You know, it affects, it reduces your cast time, it reduces your cast, your, your recast time, and, I mean, it affects your auto attack delay, but you're not in a range that you're going to be benefiting from it. Let alone when you're casting, you can't auto attack, so. Um, but, this you know, if you pop popped a region, if you popped a Medica 2, let me tell you, you would just pop that, and then I think it was called Shroud of Saints at the time, which was the specific variant of um, of Lucid Dreaming for the White Mage. You pop all of those, you would you could just spam holy a, a, just a ton. And then any damage that is taken or applied is nearly inst instantly healed because of that recast and spell cast time being reduced with high spell speed. So, like, that potency is extremely high. Again, all of these things are core to the character, but not necessarily important in that same facsimile now because of the dynamic changes. So, now that we understand that the white mage is meant to be the primary healer and a reactive healer, the scholar was meant to be a supplementary healer, but preventative towards damage, we can see why 
Holy is what it is. Holy is insanely powerful as a spell in general in Final Fantasy. Like, I think they actually had to reduce its potency to, like, 140, because I think before it used to be, like, 300. Like, <laughs> really, it was really powerful. Um, plus, it has the whole stun effect, and the, the uh, that stun effect didn't... Um, it wouldn't have the effect now where it has, like, diminishing returns. Like, it would just, like, if you if you used Holy in a group, you could just infinitely stunlock them. <laughs> and if you stunlock them, you don't need to heal them. But this is... You know, in an era long gone at this point when it comes to healings. So when we we finally get into uh, Heaven's Ward, right? And we get a new healer, which was the Astrologian. Or some people like to call it the Astrologian. However you pronounce it, it's all good. I'm going to keep calling it the Astro. Or Astrologian. And the Astro... The Astrologian came in with a very, very cool concept, which was to be a hybrid healer. To be not only a hybrid healer, but provide a lot of regular buffs. And it was such a nice change from only having a white mage and only having a scholar. Because it, a lot of people if they wanted to heal, would only be a white mage because they did not feel comfortable and confident playing a scholar because it was too complicated and not strong enough. And people would play white mage because it was just easier to pick up. And when it comes to ease of accessibility, when it comes to classes, it's absolutely key. So we saw a, a, a very large number shift between uh, the two types of healers. So when we had, when we introduced the Astrologian, we had an entirely new influx of healers. People who wanted to get into healing for the first time because they could do both without it being too complicated. And the... The core concept and design concept behind the Astrologian was, you know, to keep core to the Astrologian lore that they've presented in-game, as well as the Astrologian lore that exists within Final Fantasy as a whole series. But then also to be, you know, a hybrid healer, and as well as a boon and buffer. So, we, um, the first thing that we would notice when it came to an Astrologian, at launch, I should say, is that they actually were not very strong at all. It definitely suffered from Jack of All Trades, Master of None, because it felt very unfocused. And its potencies just didn't match the White Mage and the Scholar. Like, even though the potency, the number it said, like how it would scale, was a higher number than the Scholar, it wasn't reaching the same numbers, as well as when it came to the heal over time effects, they wouldn't be as beneficial as the white mage. And again, it's meant to be, it's because it was meant to be a jack of all trades and a hybrid. The big problem that started happening and focusing when it came to the, uh, the astrologian 
is that it was a very complicated class to manage. When you are doing raids, when you are doing dungeons, and you're trying to learn a class for the same t- at, at the same time so you can get comfortable with healing, it was not the most accessible class to get into. The you know the class class the class quests and the job quests and everything that were presented were more like a tutorial for the class rather than story oriented. Because with every five levels essentially, you had to incorporate this skill into your astrologian, which made it harder and harder to manage. And not that it wasn't particularly overwhelming, but when you have to worry about drawing a card, healing, making sure the party is healed, focusing on the mechanics and um, ensuring that you aren't being taken, like as taking too much damage or anyone's taking too much damage while trying to simultaneously manage. And um, this is where the skill Lucid Dreaming comes from. That was originally um, an ast- like an, ast- an astro- astrologian skill. And I think at the time, yeah, I think all the way up until recently, it used to reduce the amount of threat that you would have. So it would reduce your enmity, which is super good. The other thing, too, about the astrologian at the time is when it had its nocturnal and diurnal sects is that um, that they would naturally reduce the amount of enmity that's generated. At the same time, your diurnal sect, which was your white mage stance, we'll call it. Uh, it increased your heal, your base healing by 5% and reduced your enmity generation by 5%. Then when you had your nocturnal sect, it would increase your base heals by 10% and your enmity generation uh, by 10%. And the potency for these skills was a bit higher than the scholar, but again, it didn't scale the same way. So it it wasn't a linear-like thing. So I think it would say 250% of your base heal, if it was um, expected as a shield. So, you know, right off the bat, it looks like it's going to be a larger shield, but it's really not that much of a larger shield. Because you still have the same scaling as... Sorry, you don't have the hidden modifiers in for the character class um, that the other ones did. It, it's, its hidden modifier was for determination. And at the time, uh, a, a stat that no longer exists within game, which was called accuracy. Accuracy was a bitch and a half. Let me not even get into it. But... Every class had to have a certain level of accuracy because if you had too much or too little, your attacks could miss. And you're not trying to miss hits on a fucking boss, let me tell you that. Especially while you're raiding. But since its hidden modifier was for accuracy and uh, determination, it made it harder to figure out where the character class in the role could provide. So it's it's 
base heal and the scaling for determination at the time was a lot lower than what it is currently. Um, so it's like, you know, your base heal is slightly elevated compared to most, but it doesn't hit as high as anything else does. And because of how unbalanced the shields and heals were um, at the time, it it really heavily impacted, negatively impacted and affected the astrologian. So it, you know, every single hot patch and major patch, there was a lot of adjustments that were made to the astrologian. And it's not because it wasn't good, it's just that it lacked focus and it didn't have the same level of scaling as well as the ease of access that the white mage had and it didn't scale and have prevent as much damage as astrologian i mean the scholar the other thing too that kind of happened is um it's since it starts off as a job you didn't necessarily have to have your cross skills and the cross skills that you would get you would, you know, you could still have your stone skin, and then, you know, you'd also benefit from your Canis one, which you said you got eye for an eye. Eye for an eye, also amazing. I wish they never got rid of it. <laughs> but the, the cross skills that were DPS oriented to make the class, that made the other classes do really well, didn't exist for this one. It was entirely a defensive class. Which, you know is a good thing when it comes to the astrologian because again there was a lot to manage so if you're trying to min max your dps rotation like it's not really worth it but you know uh it's a this kind of leads to my whole thing that of where the healers are now which is why i think the healer dynamic in game currently is probably the best it's ever been over its entire lifetime. And I'm saying that as a healer main, as someone who has spent so much time healing and literally like having hardcore conversations about healing dynamics in Final Fantasy. Like, like I don't want to be like, healing is my passion in game, but that is, that is, it is at this point. <laughs> like, So, um, at the end of heaven's ward the there, there was a few adjusts that were made and the astrologian at this point essentially becomes the strongest healer in game enough to a point where it could solo heal the savages at the time which you couldn't do with the other two healers like I, again because of the buffs and changes and stat adjusts that were necessary because of the uh the two separate sects it became insanely powerful as a base healer. And because it had, um, not celestial. Oh, actually, I mean, yes, let me talk about this for a second. <laughs> so with a couple of the buffs that you would have as your astrologian that don't exist anymore, when you would draw a card, you would have to use it. There wasn't an undraw. There wasn't any of the skills that got later added to utilize those skills, like undraw or reshuffle or unshuffle, like you couldn't go back and forth, like you couldn't do anything. You draw that card and you were stuck with that card. You're either using it or you're not using it. 
So um, we had like a skill known as spread at the time. So any of your cards that you would draw, like your primary cards that you would draw, you could use spread and it would change into a secondary effect. You know, depending on the type of card it was, it would, you know, it affect your spell speed, your critical, your um, recast time, your, uh, I already said spell speed, your base attack or your base defense. And there was one, uh, the arrow. I don't remember exactly what it did before, but it was essentially useless by comparison to everything else. Was it the arrow or was it spear? Hold on. It's the yellow one. <laughs> the spire. Either way. I'm always just called the spear arrow for some reason. Um, the spire. The spire essentially, like, no one would use a spire because its primary effect was not that great. It would negatively impact the tanks because, you know, um, you had your TP and your MP usage, and if you burnt through it too, too quickly, then you were not in a good spot. And it essentially didn't really help any of the DPS, so the thing that you would do with it is that you would use it and turn it into a secondary thing with spread, which would apply the next card that you draw to the whole group. We we eventually get this back in some a lesser capacity with Divination um, and... Uh, for Endwalker, what's known as Astrodyne. But what you would do if you were facing a major mechanic is that you would, you know, spread the spire and then apply balance or apply the spear or apply the bowl. So the balance at the time, I think, like, yeah. So what it, what, what it would do is if you applied it via spread, it would increase your base attack damage, your attack damage, 15%, but if you used it by a spread, it would change it to 7% 7 or 10%, but for everybody. I think it was initially 10%, but then they like they reduced it to 7 because it was still very powerful. And so all of your base damage was attributed to everybody else, essentially. And it was insanely powerful when it came to meeting uh, DPS checks because you could essentially do the same thing when it came to having a healer check or um, surviving tank busters is that you could apply that bitch, throw it on the defense, and then have to, have to heal a lot less. But at the time, you know, and this forms a greater rift between the healers when it came to the following... Uh, expansion, which was Stormblood, because we have this weird dynamic that's starting to take place, is that there we have these hidden modifiers in-game for the two healers because they were the only healers for a very long time. But now we're trying to make sure that all of the healers ha are easily accessible to everybody and that they're not overwhelming for newcomers or anything like that. So, hold on, I need to pause this because there's things outside. So we kind of see a pattern that's starting to form when it came to the healers is that they could fulfill very specific roles. 
and having a astrologer in your team could fulfill that other role to a lesser extent, which is good. But then it kind of, again, put these other two healers on a pedestal while reducing the other class to being a supplementary healer. It, again, at the end of Heaven's Ward, the Astrologian was by far the strongest one. Um, and as my friend would put it, it was the poster child of healers for that expansion. I mean, it took a lot to get to it, but it, it eventually became that. Then going into Stormblood, a lot of things had to change. Um, they changed the base, the what the cards did. They gave you a whole bunch of skills to manage the cards. So it became even harder to manage, um, especially if you're trying to get into the class. So all of the things that really made the Astrologian strong for Heaven's Ward were taken, essentially taken away. Like the class, they looked at it and they were like, we have to change this because it is too strong. And the other healers, it's not that they can't keep up. It's just that this is all sorts of wrong. Like this is overwhelmingly just unbalanced. Because another thing you could do is that if you had any of your heal over time effects going and you had a buff going, your, um, what is it called? Celestial Opposition? I think that's what it is. Yeah, Celestial Opposition. It would extend the duration of any buff or heal over time that you have by an additional 15 seconds as well as um, it would stun uh, uh, the all of the enemies. So it was it was really useful. Like if you put all your heal over time effects onto everybody, and then you had like a you know a, a strong buff that was applied to everybody, like the balance, you could apply that and you're good to go. Or you know if you could use lucid dreaming at the time, and all these things, and use that, and then use celestial opposition, your your regen ability would be so insanely high, as well as your heal over time ability, as well as that buff would last like thirty seconds which is really insane so by the time it was ready to use again there's only a 30 second window of downtime <laughs> so again that's why it was so overwhelmingly powerful so when we go into stormblood we start to improve and change the dynamic between the healers where we're trying to make them more combat capable and more combat oriented um something i didn't mention uh, about a Realm Reborn and and Legacy and Heaven's Ward is that there was a thing called Cleric Stance. Cleric Stance was a nightmare <laughs> because Cleric Stance would switch your intelligence and your mind stat and your... You could... If you were going to deal combat and deal damage, it was still based on your intelligence stat. So it would switch. It would switch those stats so you can deal damage. And trust me, there was a so many situations where healers would forget to switch out of like cleric stance if they engaged in combat, and their heals weren't keeping up, and they couldn't tell as to why people were dying. Either way, all of that kind of changed when it came to 
Stormblood. Uh, stat priorities changed. We had, like, you no longer had Cleric Stance because it was no longer necessary. Because all of your spells as a healer are now based on your mind stat. Huge change. And I, I really do mean that when I say a huge change where you no longer had to use Cleric Stance. Because this is kind of what also um, gets put into why we have very unhealer, unhealthy healer dynamics for a long time is that we would have, I don't want to call them lazy healers, but we would have healers where they would be like, you know, like the phrase tanxious, like, you know, tank, tanxiety. They would have healer anxiety. If they start participating in DPS and they're forget to take out a, and they fear that they switch, they're afraid of switching into or out of cleric stance because diminished heals and attack damage or whatever so we would have healers especially when it came to the white mage who would only heal as necessary but would stand there for the duration of your instance and that still happens to this day and it's because the white mage is such a powerful healer because all of all of its core set that it it's hard to break that cycle. Granted, it's a lot easier to not fail in that aspect anymore because it all scales from the same stat, but we definitely do have people who are afraid of contributing damage. I wouldn't even say con afraid of contributing damage. They think their only job when it came, comes to healing is to only heal and not contribute to group damage. So, but... It all started with the fact that we had mind and intelligence as two stats that were necessary. Oh, oh, and oh, 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 okay. When you leveled up, you had to allocate stat points. This is a big thing because if you had several classes <laughs> and you had several roles, you would have to you know, change some of your stats to make sure it was reflective on your stats. Also, at the time, when it came to your patron deity, you know, you would got you would get a particular uh, set of additional, like, very minor, minute, minuscule, like, stat adjust where it'd be like, oh, yeah, you have plus five lightning resistance or whatever it is. Like, I don't, th like, your, I don't think your guardian deity provides that anymore it's they're just there for flair and context but before when it came to making a character class and a bunch of other stuff you would specifically choose and utilize certain races so you can maximize your healing effectivity so when it comes to a lot of old school healers you'll notice that there a lot of them are rogadin or lalafell because those were the two classes that benefited the most for when it came to healers rogadin had the highest um health stat but they also had the second highest piety stat lalafells had the highest mind and piety stat uh, stat depending on if their planes are doomed but that piety and that base mind value absolutely game changing like i said you literally like if you were trying to get into serious hardcore savage rating at the time you would literally have to make sure that your stats are managed properly. You would make sure that your 
guardian deity lines up properly make sure that not only are you this right the correct race but the correct uh clan just to make sure you can min max the effectivity of your stats luckily we don't have to do that anymore because i don't want to say everything's homogenized but the the stat changes that are provided are more for flavor at this point rather than core to rating but yeah anyways because of all the stat changes and the uh like the potency changes and everything a lot of stuff has happened and so when it came when it came to stormblood and everything like the healer dynamic that was established kind of got turned on its head and this is where if you were going to be a scholar it was a lot harder to get into being a scholar because managing your pet didn't exist in the same way um your the introduction of role skills at this point um so the stuff that really made your scholar shine because of your cross skills didn't exist anymore that hidden modifier when it came to your class your job didn't exist anymore either we kind of took those away i mean we, we adjusted them via scaling so there's obviously higher secondary stat priorities that everyone's going to benefit a little bit more from but we also took away uh, upon stormblood accuracy and thank goodness for that because that was a piece of shit like could you imagine going to heal the group and then like you're like you have having slightly too much accuracy and someone on your team having slightly too little accuracy and not being able to heal them because the heal missed like that's some bullshit not being able to hit the boss because of x y and z bullshit anyways also accuracy was another weird thing because it would also like a secondary thing that it would do is that it would affect the maximum range that you would have so if you had the minimum sorry if you had the exact amount of accuracy per boss encounter you could have a slightly larger melee and cast range but again that's a whole bunch of stuff that went along with it and it was necessary to get rid of it because it was archaic at this point but again crazy crazy dynamic that started established that established itself when it came to these healers that persisted for another four years where we had the astrologian becoming becoming a much harder class to manage but then its potencies and healing not being able to keep up with anything its cards changing so drastically every expansion that it became unmanageable and the whole class had to get a rework and i'm not saying that it wasn't necessary but it just it came to a point where and i've said this a lot through all to all of my friends throughout the years is that the class became less and less focused as time went on whereas we look at the white mage and we look at the scholar like we galvanized and doubled down on what we wanted those classes to do and how to make them the most effective at what they're doing when it came to the astrologian the only thing that they were focused on became the cards and not necessarily the healing itself we wanted to give it some flavor so it felt like a unique and distinct class between the two but in the process 
we kind of eliminated everything that made it a great class. So when it comes to Endwalker, and I know this is a very long-winded, like, 40 minutes to get to Endwalker. We're at the healthiest place possible when it comes to each of these healers. And each of the healers fulfills a very specific role, but they also have a very unique way of healing and how they go about it. And they feel like fleshed out, fully composed classes at this point. I have not liked Astrologian since Heaven's Ward. Essentially since it premiered. Like I liked it because I was like, oh, I get to play something that's not a scholar. Then never like leveled it up to max and then proceeded to not touch it unless someone else wanted me to use it specifically. I am not a huge fan of White Mage because the class at its core for what it's done and what it's where it's been and where it's going to be going is that the class is designed to be, I don't want to say idiot proof, but it's designed to be so beginner friendly that if you truly, truly want to be an effective healer, it is the easiest place to start from and understand. If you want to understand true healer mechanics and core mechanics in terms of how to heal, how to do it effectively, and how to maximize your ability to do damage, as well as manage like class and class cooldown and global cooldown management. The astrologer, not the astrologer, your the scholar is going to be your best friend because understanding scholar at its fundamental level gives you an advantage to every other healer in this game. So that brings me to the, our final healer, the newest healer of them all. And I, this, this isn't meant to sound like I'm glorifying or deifying this class whatsoever. And I'm saying this from a completely, again, healer-focused perspective when it comes to not only being an active combatant, but an active healer. This is one of the few classes that has ever premiered in Final Fantasy that feels entirely balanced from the start. So, your Sage. Ta-da! Sage. Sage is, a, Sage is a very good healer. I'm not going to say it's the strongest healer. I'm not going to say it's the weakest healer. But it is very balanced. It suffers in certain areas, but... To offset, offset those areas, you have to actively work in others. Which is exactly how a healer should be. There's, there's meant to be checks and balances. There's meant to be like a rotating balance of going back and forth to maximize your effectivity. And this is one of the few healers that if you're not actively doing those things, you are actively not doing the correct thing. So, it's a it's a shielder as well, but it's not a shielder in the same way that a scholar shields. And what I mean by that is you have the same secondary stat priorities, but the way you utilize your class is very different. 
your cooldowns for Sage are a little bit faster than they are for, let's say, your White Mage or your Astrologian, but a little bit slower than your Scholar. But then your core rotation, your core uh, cooldowns are faster than your Scholar. One thing that's not readily apparent when it comes to playing this, the Sage is how you benefit from learning to shield properly. And this, this is what I think really makes the class balanced and very accessible for all levels of gameplay. Is that your shields, they give you what is, once the shield is broken, uh, they give you what is known as a um, adder sting. And you can have up to three of those. Adder sting, so helpful in terms of managing DPS. Because one, DPS, like, yes. Please DPS as a healer. If you're healing, please DPS. Contribute to the group damage so the encounter goes faster. Also, if you're in a large group and you are not dealing damage, that means that you are going to be fighting an uphill battle of how squishy is my tank. When you can jump in for like the first like three to five casts of whatever your group damage attack is, it'll do more than enough to balance the scales in favor of you, and that means you can heal less. More damage equals less healing, which sounds crazy, but it's true. Like, if you can kill something faster, that means you don't have to heal. This isn't a healing tutorial. I can give one of those if I really want to, but, like, this is what happens. Like, when it comes to large groups, when it comes to the Astrologian, when it comes to the White Mage, not so much when it comes to the Scholar and... A little bit more than the Sage, but less than the Scholar, is your group engage. Like, you really do need to engage in damage. Because the faster you kill these things, that means the less you have to heal. If you have something like a reactive healer, which is, you know, a heal over time healer, lots of hots, like your White Mage and your Astrologian, if you cannot keep up with that heal over time and you're not actively regening and Medica 2-ing and um using asylum or your celestial unconsciousness or you know any of the heal time effects that you have while doing an, an overwhelming large group pool like the only way to offset that is to spam your <laughs> like your aoe as much as possible so you can at least do a third damage really quickly and then go back to healing as necessary The, this is kind of what is, <clears throat> I think right now this is what makes it hard for people who have never healed who want to get into healing via Sage are suffering is that they don't know when to stop DPSing because they think that DPS attack is going to carry them, but it won't. The way you have to look at uh, what's known as your Cardia and Cardian effect, you have to you have to think in terms of a scholar again. You, you have Eos and Selene who are ca constantly casting Embrace as necessary when it comes to who needs help. 
that's what Cardian, Cardia and Cardian is. It's Embrace. It's the same potency. Every time that you're casting, it's casting. This is literally works like old school scholar. But because of that, like, yeah, you can deal damage and you want to deal damage. So you're constantly getting that uptick for your health. But because your Cardia and Cardian effect is only specific to one person, it still means that there's going to be other people who are going to be suffering if you're not actively healing. And one thing that's not directly obvious when it comes to healing as a sage when it comes to groups is that your uh, prognosis and diagnosis, they don't heal as much as you think they should. Like, they, they really don't. It's like, oh cool, 450, that matches all the other numbers that exist in game, but then why am I suffering? And it's because they they don't scale as high as Scholar, they don't scale as high as um, Astrologer, they don't scale as high as White Mage, because the scaling for them is different. Their scaling is fundamentally based on determination, which is what we saw when it came to early... Um, Astrologen. But it, it's like that, that hidden modifier split between... It's not even a hidden modifier. It's just their priority is split between determination and critical. But then if you're going for more DPS, you want to make sure that you have a good chunk of spell speed and so you can get your damage over time, your heal over time, and constantly blitzing out uh, Cardias. But because of like the whole change in stats and priorities for your secondaries, it it's not, again, the most accessible in terms of understanding how to completely utilize the class. Granted, it's I I looking at it, I read all the tooltips, I sit there and practice things for hours until I know I just get it right. Um and I think it's a I don't it's not a perfect class, but I think it's a very, very balanced class, and I feel like it it's not something that's going to be necessary to change until other changes are made where it becomes extremely unhealthy. Or another class is so severely unhealthy that other things have to be done to balance those out. But right now, like, I, I, we're in the golden age of healing when it comes to Final Fantasy. All of the healers are... Actively healing. If they're not actively healing, you know, give them a gentle push. We have a good influx of new healers as a result of the new class. We've got all of the new players from the WoW Exodus. Like, we're in a good spot. But I will say, and I'm going to constantly say this, read your tooltips. When it comes to any of the class, read your tooltips. Please read your tooltips at any and every level. Like, I will go through, read all the tooltips on a regular basis just to make sure that I know I'm doing something just right. Or if there was a change that was made, I want to figure out as to why. I'm not like one of those patch note crazy people. Like, I, for the most part, unless it's something I'm specifically looking forward to or a change in content that I'm specifically looking forward to, I'm not actively looking at the patch notes because while I appreciate they provide patch notes <laughs> the thing that kind of irks me when it comes to Square Enix and these patch notes is the fact that they'll be like oh 
coming at a later date. It's like, then why did you give me a list to begin with if you're not going to give me all the information? Don't do that. Just don't provide patch notes then. But that's a whole other thing. Um, but yeah, I think the Sage is a very, very balanced healer. It's one of those classes that you have to make sure that you are constantly managing it, not in an overwhelming way like the Astrologian, but in a way where to get the most benefit, the most bang for your buck, you have to be using your Adder's Gall and Adder's Sting as necessary because that offsets your MP usage. It restores your MP as necessary. It reduces damage taken. It heals like... Those things are free and instant. And it's like using your um, ether charges as from the original scholar up until recently. It's like using those, but instead of having to, you know, cast ether flow, these just regenerate naturally. And if you have a shield and it's broken, you generate adder's sting. And... Your um, Toxicron, I think is what it's called. I keep calling it Toxicon. I keep calling it Toxicroak because that's the Pokemon it makes me think of. But yeah, like Toxicon and um, uh, Flemma. The, I mean, they've got a Cardia effect and they have, they're instant. They have no cast time. They cost nothing. Just use them. Like... Go into a group, deal some damage with those, and then go back to healing. Not hard. I think the other thing that's kind of hard when it comes to the Sage is the name of the skills, I think, throws people off. Because you'll know what your skill is, and you know what it does, but then trying to remember the exact name is not nightmare fuel, but it is slightly more frustrating than you think it would be. But yeah, so when it comes to healers and the whole role and healer dynamic and everything is that we have what's now more of a scale, a sliding scale, a, a spectrum, if you will, of where our classes and healers are. On the far left, or on one far side, we have the white mage, which was the core. When it comes to any of the classes, or in any new class, I should say, they're based on the white mage. Then on the opposite side of that spectrum is that we have the scholar who's carved out a very unique place in healing as not only being a strong preventative damage healer, but also a strong DPS, as well as, you know, it's, it's an echo of an era that just is no longer present in game anymore, but it still has those hints and nodes of it while still providing a lot of unique flair. We have Sage and Astrologian, who, in my opinion, are true hybrid classes at this point. And to me, what I'm calling a hybrid class is not specifically healer over time and not specifically... Well, heal over time. Uh, and not specifically shield, but has the ability to do both. With the whole Eucrasia effect, you can switch in and out of being a shielder or a solid healer, as you see fit. When it comes to being astrologian, 
you since you no longer have your diurnal and nocturnal sect when it comes to your expected skills the cost of them has been adjusted and you don't have to worry so heavily on and burning out your mp as well as your your base heals just are finally at a point where you feel that you can do well without them i mean and the other thing too is Due to the new changes that have been made in your cards, it's no longer so heavily mismanaged and overmanaged that it's unhealthy. You can still do everything as you see fit. You can still contribute damage. I mean, albeit your two skills, two and a half, I'll call it. Three and a half. But... The class is healthy. It's balanced. You can buff as necessary. You can heal as necessary. You can prevent like as much damage as you can as necessary. All of the things that used to be great about the Astrologian have, I wouldn't say come full circle, but has come to a point where the class feels laser focused and laser sharp now. It doesn't feel so unfocused and unbalanced that... It doesn't fit in anywhere. It doesn't feel like its only job is to fill in the gap that the white mage and the scholar don't fit. It's got unique skills that make it feel like its own thing. It can buff as necessary. And I know I say it can buff a lot, but like it's, you know, when that was like the core thing that it did before, like it was buff first, heal second, damage third, like it's a big deal. Now, like, your healing and your buffing are, I wouldn't say seamless, but they are at the same level. Like, the priority is there, but it's not overwhelming. It's easy to get into. It's not so easy that you can just walk through, like, a dungeon without contributing. <laughs> I don't want to say that, like, it sounds so rude, but, like... You don't have to white mage it. Like, you don't have to white mage white knuckle it where you're only healing as necessary. Like, it provides certain things that feel like it used to, like when it was as strong as it could be. Like, you can, your divination and your astrodyne, like, those feel so good because it feels like old school original astro without being so unbalanced. We have Scholar, who just got, like, even though, like, there's a lot of memes out there about, like, the Scholar not being changed for, like, so long. But it's, like, we haven't had to change anything about it because it's been so strong. And the only reason we have to make certain core changes to it now is because we've taken a lot of these things away. But it's still so good that, like, even with the potency changes and adjusts, like, it's still much stronger. The only thing that is my complaint is that the 200% like <laughs> criticals, I miss those. Because I just remember like at the end of um, Heaven's Word, beginning of Stormblood, I had like this fucking random critical hit for 42,000. Like just a random critical. It was my Loquium. 
Um, so the critical at the time was 42,000 in terms of that heal, and then had a shield of 84,000. It was just ridiculous. So like, just, like, I was doing, uh, like, 8, um, yeah, 812S at the time. Alexander, uh, turn 12, Savage. <laughs> and just, like, that tank buster, like, was, there was no tank buster. <laughs> No, actually, I didn't even use it on a tank buster. It was the whole mechanic where it was like, if you don't use your uh, tank limit break, then everyone dies. I literally used that and then uh, used uh, tactical something. Why can't I remember the name of the skill right now? It's my favorite class and I can't even remember the name. Well, anyways, I don't use a skill anymore because it doesn't make sense anymore. Uh, deployment tactics, that's what it was. I used, got that critical shield for 84,000, used deployment tactics, and then, yeah, had more health than it could possibly deal damage for. Either way, we're in a good place for healers. I literally have talked about healers for a little over an hour, and I still haven't even gotten to the specifics of things. But each class has a very unique role. Each class has its own unique flair. There's a couple things I wish that individual healers still had that made them feel fleshed out and unique. Like um, the specific versions of Asuna that each class had at one point. Like Asuna was white mage specific. Leeches was for um, Scholar. Um, what was it? Something Detriment. I forgot the exact name for it when it came to the Astrologian, but that they all had the specific uh specific asunas and then you know it just it felt like a cool thing where it's like oh yeah i'm gonna leech this bitch <laughs> like i think it was exalted detriment i think was the name of the one for Estro, where it just the name of it just sounds cool like i wish some of those things still existed but the like even though we don't have cross skills anymore i love the fact that we have our role skills because those provide so much more than the cross skills ever did like there are certain things that i i wish that we had per specific class because certain things don't make sense without it one of these things being um eye for an eye it was an arcana specific thing and only one other class ever got it which i think was um as a cross skill, I should say. The only one class ever got it other than uh, Scholar, which was uh, Astrologian. Again, specifically if you leveled up the your Arcanist to 45. <laughs> so, but like they took it away. And what you would do with it is that deployment tactics would uh, spread your shield as well as eye for an eye. And eye for an eye... Um, works a lot like um well works worked a lot like how um what is it called i'm, I'm so bad at names today like i should have like read a whole list of the skill names um it is a tank skill and i cannot remember the name of it right now not faint uh, that's I'm just going to switch to a tank and find out exactly what it is. Arms length. Oh, I don't know why that was so hard to remember right now. 
It worked like arms. Uh, worked a lot like arms length. So what 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 it would do is that you applied it to your tank, and you could spread it with deployment tactics to everybody. But it gave you like ten percent additional like just like damage reduction. But then if you know you were hit in a, if you were hit by the boss or whoever, um, it would apply to them. So it would stick to them. And then they would deal 10% less damage. So, like, it sounds like it's 20% damage differential, but it's really not. It's closer to, like, 11. 11%. But still, like, the skill deployment tactics doesn't really make sense without it. Because that whole... It was, like, the whole purpose of it. Is, like, you spread a critical shield and an eye for an eye. And you take one of those things away and deployment tactics just doesn't make sense. But that's a whole other thing. Either way, that's the end of it. I shall talk to everyone later. I've been Zen, and I have a great day. And thank you for listening to Video Game Therapy.